This evening, Brother Jason Abair is here going to Lafayette. God has put a burden on his heart to start a church down there. Uh, he's going to come tell us about that in a little while. want to introduce them. I think most everybody here knows them. Y'all pray for him tonight as he shares his burden with us. Let's enjoy what we have in the Lord. Come on, buddy. starts to tremble at the light that you bring and when you walk into the room every heart starts burning and nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you and worship you Stop, we can't live without you, Jesus. We love you, and we can't get enough. All this is for you, Jesus. Jesus. Sickness starts to vanish, every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And when you walk into the room, the dead begin to rise, because there is resurrection life and all you do. We love you and will never stop. Can't live without you, Jesus. We love you, and we can't get enough. All this is for you, Jesus. Jesus, come and consume God. Oh, we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. Come and consume God. Oh, we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. Come and consume God. Oh, we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. We love you. And we'll never stop. We can't live without you, Jesus. We love you. And we'll never stop. All this is for you, Jesus.
Thank you, Parker, and thank you, Promised Land Church, for giving me the opportunity to come and share with you what God is doing in my life and in our life as a family. We're really excited about this next chapter. It's uh, uh, something that uh, we were talking this afternoon in BTC class about fear and faith. And, you know, I, I had to be honest with you, fear and faith can exist in the same heart. They really can. Because there's this part of me that knows this is what God wanted me to do, but there was another part that was scared to death. But I know that after 18 and a half years of pastoring the Lord's churches and joining with other pastors in the state of Louisiana, praying for the great need in South Louisiana, praying for God to send somebody else instead of me, that it was me that God was calling to go and do this great work, what we're calling Reach Acadiana. We're really excited about this work, and you might be wondering, what in the world is Acadiana? Well, Acadiana is the southern part of Louisiana. It stretches from just west of New Orleans all the way to the state line of Texas, from the Gulf of Mexico, about 100 miles inland, around Interstate 10. Now, Interstate 10 is a very important landmark because in the state of Louisiana, there's about 4 million people in the state of Louisiana, and two-thirds live south of Interstate 10. And there's not a single ABA Missionary Baptist Church south of Interstate 10. You know, in Lafayette, in the area surrounding Lafayette is the old Acadiana, the original Acadiana parishes. There are 620,000 people, and there's not that many churches there. There are some churches there. There are some Baptist churches there. But what we found from talking to people that live there, they're either on a very far extreme liberal end of pep rallies for Jesus, and on the other end, very legalistic, you know, just trying to make people live by this set of rules and standards that God doesn't have in His Word. I'm glad that we're free in Christ, aren't you? You know, and, and there's just not that kind of church in South Louisiana. And God has called me to go and establish a church, not just in the Lafayette area, but I believe this will be where I am for the rest of my life. Reaching Acadiana is a big area. Big towns like Lafayette, Lake Charles, uh, Homa, Thibodeau. Thibodeau's not just a guy that tells funny jokes with Boudreaux. Thibodeau's a real town. And there's not a church there. So we're looking forward to going and being involved in that great work until Jesus comes. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't have to introduce myself, but looking around, Promised Land Church has been blessed. And I see some faces I recognize, but I see some faces I don't recognize. Uh, my name is Jason Abair. I pastored our churches for 18 and a half years, 10 years in East Texas, and uh, where I got to know Brother Josh fairly well. And then for six and a half years in Bossier City, Louisiana. Of course, uh, my brother-in-law is Michael Reese, and uh, uh, my wife Cindy and Karen are sisters. And I'm very thankful that Cindy is not at all like Karen, because I'd have to leave her every three days. I can take Karen on about a three-day trip. That's it. And then I've got to be done. But uh, Cindy has been very faithful in this great work. She knows what God has called us to, and she's engaged. There's some papers back there on the table. I'd encourage you to sign your name. Put your email address down. We'll send you a monthly report of what's going on personally just to you. And also, if other needs come up, we'll let you know about those things, too. Uh, Parker was one who just sang just a moment ago. Uh, Parker self-taught himself to play the piano. Uh, he, took a, he wanted to learn piano, so we found a real cheap uh, piano and put it in our house. And he took his laptop. Y'all, I'm not kidding about this. Took his laptop, stuck it on top of that piano, and watched a YouTube video and began playing. That's six months of playing. Parker's going to be very active in our ministry, our music ministry down there. We're really excited about him being involved. Peyton, stand up back there. That's Peyton on the back row. He never gets to sit on the back row, bless his heart. So he jumped at the chance tonight. 
Peyton uh, is so active in sharing his faith. He's so tenacious in sharing his faith for the Lord. Matter of fact, he was asked by his classmates last week to share his testimony in front of the whole sixth grade at Cope Middle School. So we're real proud of him. Last year, he was the fifth grade elementary school, Northwest Louisiana Fellowship of Christian Athletes Athlete of the Year. So I'm real proud of both of our boys, and they're all on board with this great work. Now, the picture that's up there on the board right now is uh, kind of there, there in St. Martinville. You'll see the A-Bear logo. Down there in South Louisiana, all across really south of I-10 on down, there's two things about that area. One, it's Cajun country. Well, as you see A-Bear there, my name is definitely not spelled A-B-E-A-R. I've got that Cajun part locked down. I, my Cajun heritage is very important to me. The A-Bear clan was one of the largest clans that came over in the deportation, and I should probably back up and tell you what that is. The deportation is when the uh, Cajuns were settled in Acadia up in present-day Nova Scotia area. Well, the British government began to uh, pour a lot of taxes on them, and as one chef said, the Cajuns there in Acadia decided to swear at the king, then swear to the king. Well, the king didn't like that, put them on slave ships and kicked them out of Nova Scotia. They put on slave ships, and families were divided, and they kind of began separating all over. The majority of them came all the way down the east coast of the Americas, around Florida, and settled in south Louisiana. So that's where we get the Acadian or Cajun name from. So my, my, my family is one of the largest. When you go to south Louisiana look at a phone book, you know, up here there's probably not a single A-bear in the phone book, maybe one or two. In south Louisiana there's about two or three pages worth of A-bears. There's a lot of us down there. The other thing about Acadiana, it's not only Cajun country, it's Catholic country. Well, when I was a junior in high school... I was going through confirmation in the Catholic Church. And I began to realize, as they began to try and teach me, that this system of belief is life-changing and life-altering, and you'll never be the same. Whenever that nun left that room, we all looked at each other and said, I'm here because my mama made me come. You know, it didn't mean anything to me. And I began to search and seek for where the truth was. And I found very quickly that eternal life was not found in rites and rituals and religion. It was found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was saved in 1994 and surrendered to preach in 1996 there at Green Acres Missionary Baptist Church in Bossier City, Louisiana. Go to the next slide for me, fellas. Next slide, we already talked about that. Uh, next slide, we already talked about that too. Let's see. Is there another one there? Another one. Go to the next one. All right, hit the next one. Kind of. Hey, there's a cool slide. Joie de vivre. It simply means a joy of life. We have like Cajun phrases that people say a lot of times. The number one Cajun phrase everybody knows around here, really anywhere, is laissez le bon temps rouler. Does anybody know what that means? Let the good times roll. You guys are some awesome people. That's what I'm talking about. Well, joie de vivre is another phrase. It's not really a phrase they say. It more describes a way of life. And they are some of the most friendly people in the world there in South Louisiana. They really do enjoy life. They live life to the max. And when you don't have a relationship with the Lord and your religion says, live it up as much as you want and then give it up the day after Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday, they really can live their life up, can't they? Well, what we hope to bring with Reach Acadiana to the Acadiana parishes is what real joy of living is. It's not found in the pursuits and pleasures and popularity of the world. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And we want to bring that to South Louisiana every day so they can enjoy that eternally time with the Lord. Let's go to the next slide for me, please. There's three phases to reach Acadiana that I want to share with you. The first phase is what we're doing right now. It's just deputation. It's sharing the need. It's letting people go on back to the next one. Go back to phase one. There we go. 
Uh, phase one is, again, what we're... T- I can move around, can't I? I'm going to stay there. Phase one is about asking you to get on board with this great work and what God has for us. I want to ask you, first of all, to fervently pray for us. That's what I've heard you say to me already. Brother Jason, we're praying for you, and I need those prayers. We need your prayers as we go door to door and visit with people and talk to people and just, just kind of share what's going on and trying to win souls to the Lord. So, so you pre- please pray for us. Number two, I want to ask you to participate with us. You see, this is an awesome mission opportunity. It's not a mission work that's so far away you can't get involved in. It's a mission work that's so close, it's only four and a half hours from here to go down to Lafayette and be involved in this work. Sister Cindy was raised up in our churches since she was knee-high to a grasshopper. And she remembers as a little girl going down to a church in Cushata, Louisiana, and sanding pews in that church in Cushata, Louisiana. What a great memory she has with her youth group. What a great memory she has with her family and her parents. We want to give you that same opportunity. Trey, mark these two dates down, okay? First date is, I know you got a pen to write with, June 3rd and 4th. That's the day before our first public outreach, our first public outing. We want to encourage you to come down and help canvas the area of Youngsville as you get ready for our first public service. The next date is July the 3rd. I don't know what's wrong with that slide. It's even all fits in. It's not his fault. It's just, it's ours. Um, So we want you to come down and participate with us and be involved in what great memories you can have with your family. Finally, I must ask you to provide for us. This is not going to be a cheap work. I believe you can do mission work or you can do mission work right. And we want to do this the right way. We want God to, to bless this work. And we believe since it's His work, the work He's going to build, we believe it deserves the best. So what we want to do is do this the right way, and it's going to take a lot of funds. We want to be have the best property available. We want, we want to have the best facilities and things available. And you say, well, Brother Jason, that's going to cost a lot of money. And I know it will. But I've learned this in 18 and a half years of ministry. One, you can never outgive the Lord. And two, the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And sometimes He's got to sell a few cows to meet the needs of His work. And He does that through the goodness of His people and those in His churches. So please pray for us, participate with us, and provide for us. At the back, afterwards, after service, I'll be glad to share with you some of our specific needs that we have as far as uh, uh, technology and audio needs as we get ready to have worship services. That's a $5,700 bill that we've got to get purchased. We also need a second vehicle for ourselves as a family, and our church doesn't want us to be strapped with that, so that's another project that they have. Housing is coming up in a few months. Our salary needs are going to be prayerfully met through the churches of the ABA as an interstate missionary on salary. Therefore, every bit of funds that is given after that time is going to go directly to the work and the work we have there. You know, rental of a building, rental of facilities, land fund, things like that. So I'll share more of those specific things after services with you. I'd love to visit with you about it. So that's all phase one, just sharing the need. Phase two is focusing on Acadiana Baptist Church. That's a pretty interesting little building there. It's just a Fairfield Inn by Marriott. And that meeting room, let me tell you how God answers prayers. We were visiting there, and I was just showing the kids and the wife around Lafayette, Louisiana. I was just showing them around all these different places. And I went and asked Miss Delicia Bouti, who is the uh, manager of that hotel. And when I went and talked to her, I said, Miss Delicia, after my continental breakfast, because y'all could tell I've never missed a meal. At, after I went to the continental breakfast, I went and talked to Miss Delicia, and I said, Miss Delicia, you guys have this meeting room over here, and I'm wondering how much I might be able to have that meeting room on a Sunday morning just for meetings. Because I didn't want to tell her we're going to start a church in your hotel, because no, probably, eh, we're not going to have that, right? 
So the very first words out of her mouth to me was, you mean for a church? And I thought, oh, it's over now. It's done. She's not going to let us have this room. She said, her brother is a church planner in Ponchatoula starting a church, a missionary, a Baptist church in Ponchatoula. And she saw the need and is going to let us have that room for $50 a Sunday. So we're really excited about that. For another 15 bucks, she's going to give us a bottomless pot of coffee. So we've got coffee and we've got a place to meet. So we're excited about that. The only thing is, that's a very small place. And I don't believe we're going to be there that long. I really don't. As a matter of fact, we're going to hold private services for Acadia. Go to the next slide. For Acadiana Baptist Church, we're going to have uh, services there coming in April of 2016, just a few months. I'm already having Bible studies with some families down there. We're really excited about how God's beginning to work in their life. They want to join with us, and their daughter already needs scriptural baptism. So we're looking forward to having them join, and their daughter being our first baptism at Acadiana Baptist Church on April the 10th. Kind of uh, quiet, private services. And then June the 5th, that first Sunday in June, after we've canvassed the area, we want to have a really big public worship service in a meeting place. We're going to go this week, Thursday and Friday, Cindy and I are, and we're going to visit um, those schools there in Youngsville, and we want to hopefully and prayerfully uh, get a meeting place there. So pray for that meeting on Friday as we try and find a place to meet every single week in a more permanent location in the community. Let me just say this about Youngsville. You said, Brother Jay, you said you're going to Lafayette. Well, from the center of Lafayette to the center of Youngsville is only six miles. It's actually part of Lafayette. It's the bedroom community of Lafayette. Everybody that works in Lafayette lives out there in Youngsville. That's where the people are. And I believe our churches ought to be where the people are. Amen? And that's what we want to do. We want to bring what God has in His Word to the people there in Acadiana Baptist Church is how we're going to do that. So we're really excited about phase two. You pray for that work, and I can't wait for you to see how God is blessing. Go to the next slide for me. The next slide, oh, yeah, let's start here. The Missionary Baptist Student Fellowship, there at University of Louisiana at Lafayette, there is a student population of 18,000 students. I drove into Hamburg. The population of Hamburg was a little less than 3,000 people. So six times the size of Hamburg is the size of the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. We've all seen it, haven't we? We've all seen kids go to college and never come back to our churches. Now, what you guys have also seen is the awesome work on the campus of University of Arkansas at Monticello, what Brother Rob's doing over there. I know how active you are in supporting different MBSFs throughout the area. We don't have an MBSF anywhere in the state of Louisiana. We're really excited about starting the first one at ULL out of Acadiana Baptist Church. We want Acadiana Baptist Church to be a mission-minded church because in time we want Acadiana Baptist Church to start other churches throughout the Acadiana. So we're really excited about that opportunity. So that will be coming in the fall of 2016. Go to the next slide for me, guys. Phase 3. Phase 3 is what Reach Acadiana is really all about. I told you earlier, if the Lord tarries is coming, and I pray that He doesn't, if the Lord tarries is coming for another 50 years, I'll be 90 years old. But I pray that I'm 90 years old somewhere in South Louisiana helping another church get started. We want to reach South Louisiana with the gospel of Christ. You say, Brother Jason, come on now. We've got plenty of churches in Louisiana. It's another place in the Bible Belt. There's churches everywhere, not in Acadiana. South Louisiana, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, big places like that, they are not considered the Bible Belt in any way, shape, or form. Here, everybody goes to church on a Sunday. You know that. It's a wonderful thing. There's a lot that don't. We're trying to reach those. I know. Down there, it's not even on their radar. We want to change that. We want to make a difference in that area for the cause of Christ. We want to ask you to pray with us. 
to provide for us and most importantly participate with us. We want you to come down. Just take a Sunday. Take a Saturday to say, hey, we're going to go down to Billy the A-Bears this weekend. You know, Trey's going to come on down. We're going to have a great weekend together. I'll feed him some great food because that's something we have in South Louisiana. We've got some great food. You ever make fun of our football team all the time, but you're not going to make fun of our restaurants. We'll fight over that. But we have a great time. We're looking forward to come, come be involved in the work, pass out some flyers, get involved in different things. Come worship with us. We'd love for you to come and have a part in the worship services there at Acadiana Baptist Church. So you please be in prayer for us, okay? Before I, I, I move on, does anybody have any questions about the mission work, about what we're doing, about how we might be able to be involved? Anybody have any questions? Am I supposed to preach tonight? Sure. Well, okay. Well, I saw the Lord's Supper tonight in the bulletin. I don't want to interrupt any of that. But next, well, I can preach for an extra 30 minutes then. So does anybody have any questions at all? Any questions whatsoever? Let me make say a word about my sponsoring church. Calvary Missionary Baptist Church in Minden, Louisiana is a great sponsoring church. They're the sponsoring church of the seminary at Minden. And uh, they've been so good to me and my family. They are, in, they are excited about this work. They're involved in this work. And they're meeting our needs to the best of their ability. What they need is other churches to come on board and help them with this great work that God has placed on their heart and that God has also placed on my heart to join with them and do. It's been prayed about for a long time. All right. Well, I don't want to take a lot of time. I want to invite your attention to Romans chapter 9, please. Romans chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 9 again. Please pray for us, participate with us. And if you would see fit to put us in your monthly budget to help out with our budgetary needs, I know God will bless. And let me just say this, too, on that note, while you're turning to Romans chapter 9. Paul told the believers at Philippi when it came to missions giving, and I'll tell you the same thing. I'm asking you to give to this mission work, not that I might receive a gift, but as Paul said in Philippians 4.17, not that I might receive a gift, but that fruit might abound to your account. What that means, long and short of it, is this. You may never step foot in Acadiana. You may never step foot in Acadiana Baptist Church. You may never step foot south anywhere south of I-10. But when souls are saved down there, that is fruit that abounds to your account. In other words, whenever you get to heaven, there's going to be some crazy cages that you have never met in your life that are going to say, I'm here because you helped a missionary come to my home and preach the gospel to me. That's why we give to missions. That's why we do it. It's not for, you know, padding somebody's pocket. It's about furthering the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage you to be involved with that. So I want to look at, just for a moment, because when we talk about mission work, we do talk about far-off places. We talk about Lafayette and different areas of South Louisiana, like Lake Charles and McNeese and Homa and Eunice and Mamou. That's actually a town, not the nickname for somebody. So going to any of these places, okay? Mission work begins right here in Hamburg, Louisiana, Hamburg, Arkansas. Hamburg, Arkansas. I was... I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Parker even wore purple socks for y'all today, okay? Not a tiger on a go lions. But I want to talk to you tonight about being a burdened people. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school or BTC class just a moment ago. But but I believe this. You and I, as members of the Lord's churches, are people of a transferred burden. Throughout the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, He exemplified this burden to win souls. The Bible says He came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give His life a ransom 
for many. This burden of Jesus was borne out throughout His three and a half year ministry and ultimately displayed for us on the cross of Calvary because the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. This was the burden of Jesus. For three days and three nights He laid in the grave. Then He rose from the grave, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And then He gathered His disciples together near the end of His time on this earth, and He commissioned them. What did He commission them with? He said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, according to Mark 16 and 15. He gathered them together, according to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and says, Ye shall be witnesses unto Me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, Jesus took His burden and transferred it to His church, to His body, as they were placed in communities and gave them His burden to win the lost, to reach out and be soul winners for His cause. Okay? So we are a people of a transferred burden. My question for you tonight, very quickly, is simply this. How deep is your burden? How much of a burden do you have to see souls saved? Notice the depth of the Apostle Paul's burden. The Bible says here in verse 1 of Romans 9, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Let's pray quickly. Father. Bless your word. Bless this service this evening. We thank you for the intended purpose of gathering here to preach your word, that those who are lost might hear and be saved, that our purpose is to exhort your body to be more mindful about your work and busy about your work, that we might be energized and revived in a sense every week to go back out into this world and win souls for you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for Jesus. We ask all these things in His precious and holy name. For His sake we pray. Amen. A people of a transferred burden. I want you to see the depths of His burden. The Bible here says in verse 3, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. The Apostle Paul is saying here to you and I that if it were possible, he is willing to give up his own salvation that somebody else, his own people, might be saved. In other words, what Paul is saying is, I'm willing to spend the rest of my life in hell if it meant that my own brethren, my own kinsmen, my own people might know Christ. That's a pretty deep burden, isn't it? Any of you willing to give up your salvation so somebody else could be saved? Oh, no, I hang my hat on mine. And listen, let me just tell you this. It's not possible for you to give up your salvation. That can't actually happen. But what Paul is saying to us in so many words is, if it were possible, if it were possible that if I could just give up this whole thing, just give up my own salvation, I'm willing to spend the rest of my eternity in a place called hell if it means that my own people could be saved. That's a burden that you and I need to have. 
people just like him. Let's go back to that Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Let's go back to that just for a minute. Because when we look at, he says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. We, we often think for just a moment that we're talking about, you know, local missions and state missions and then interstate missions and then foreign missions. Well, I don't believe he was talking to them at all about that. I believe he was talking to those Jerusalem men, those Galileans. He says, you be witnesses unto me right here in Jerusalem, because right here in Jerusalem are people just like you. Right here in Jerusalem are people that have the exact same interest as you. They go to the exact same places that you do, and that's your Jerusalem. That's your home. That's where you start. And then he said, in Judea, people who are similar to you, not exactly the same, but you might run in some of the same circles. You might not work at the same place, but your kids do the same ball team together. Or you may not have kids, but you go to the same workplace or you shop at the same time. You know those people. And then he says, Samaritans even. Well, you know most Jewish people hated Samaritans, these were people that were completely, totally different, even people to the point that they didn't even like. And Paul says, or the Lord says, go to Samaria and be a witness. Then he says to the uttermost parts of the earth, does everybody here speak English in this area? Most part, but there are some who sure don't, are there? I know in Lafayette there are some people who speak Chinese, there are People at that college that might speak Hindu, and there are people that might speak Russian, and, you know, all kinds of languages. But guess what? God has called me to be a witness right here to all of those different people groups. And I must have the same kind of burden that Paul had to reach them for the cause of Christ. Now, what was the source of this burden? What was the source of this burden that the Apostle Paul had? Well, he saw these people, according to verses 4 and 5, to whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, whose are the fathers, and of whom as concerning the flesh, Christ came. He saw a group of people who had rejected the very goodness of God. He saw a group of people who had rejected the grace of God. He saw people that had rejected the gifts of God. He saw people that had it all laid out for them, and they still said, no, these are the ones that our burden is for. Where's your burden? How sincere was Paul's burden? Well, the Bible says here in verse 1 that he was in a great heaviness and continual sorrow, and he wished. Somebody said that a wish is a prayer turned toward heaven. I don't know how true that is, but I like that thought. Paul prayed about this. This burden motivated him that in spite of being stoned, in spite of being rejected, in spite of having a a hit placed on his life, instead of being constantly tortured and shipwrecked and snake bit, and we go on and on with what Paul did. He never once said, I can't go any longer. Why? Because this burden was so powerful to him. He did not allow one rejection to cause him to stop and say, I can't go any further. How often are we that way? How often are we at the first sign of negativity, we just woe back and say, I, I don't want to try anymore. What if the person that told you about Jesus did that with you? It was a very personal burden. He said, my brethren. I, I, I really like that. Because there are people that you are personally responsible for. 
There are people that you see that Brother Josh will never see. There are people that you see that Brother Trey will never see. There are people that you see daily that Brother Jeff and the other men in this church will never see. They are your responsibility. And if they die without Christ in their life, their blood will be upon your hands. Ezekiel 33 says, God has placed you and I as a watchman. It's our job to stand up and say, whoa, there is a God. There is a plan. There is salvation. You're not too bad. You're not too horrible. You're not an ugly person. Jesus loves you and died for you and will save you if you just call out to Him. That's your job. That's your responsibility. This burden motivated the Apostle Paul that no matter what came down the pike, he was willing to go and win souls. So I want to share with you just finally tonight what the solution of the burden is. How can I deal with this burden? Well, Paul realized that the answer to not only this question, but the answer to every question is always Jesus. We see here the person of Jesus. Notice the Bible says here in in verse 5, concerning the flesh, Christ came. Doesn't it make you feel good tonight that Christ came for you? You see, that word Christ is not the last name of Jesus. It was a long time in the ministry, actually, before I realized that Jesus' last name was not Christ. Christ is a title. It's a messianic title. It's signaling Him out from all others as the one and only Messiah of the world. He is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And guess what? If you don't know Jesus Christ, then your name is the world. Because the Bible says not only did He come to take away the sin of the world, but Jesus Christ came to give His life for the world, the Bible says. For God so loved the, hello, world. You see, your name is the world tonight. He came to save you. He came to love you. He came to change you. He came to make you different. The answer is always Jesus. We also are reminded about the power of Jesus in this text. The Bible says here, of whom Christ came, who is over all. Isn't it good to know Jesus is in control? There's never been a moment in the life of Jesus Christ, there's never been a moment in the history of the world where the Father's ever been up in heaven saying, wish I could figure out this thing called earth that I made. <laughs> He is over all. He is sovereign. He is completely in control, free from any outside influence. So many times, listen, so many times we get this in our minds. Some of you remember this from Next Camp a few years ago. You might get this in your minds that, that there's this little hole inside God that He's somehow incomplete because you're not in His life. Let me tell you something about God. He is complete with or without you. He doesn't need you to be God But let me tell you something. He wants you. And He proved it on the cross of Calvary. That's the power of Jesus. That's the person of Jesus. And finally, we must notice the position of Jesus. It says here, God blessed forever. Jesus Christ is the only begotten of the Father, and He is the blessed of the Father. He is the one that is seated on the right hand of the throne of God. He is the one that is exalted to the very throne of the Father, there to make intercession for you and I. Listen, I'm going to close simply with this. This is Paul's burden for the people of Israel. He didn't want to see them go to hell. Paul was moved from more mere words to actual action. And I wonder where your heart is today. Not just for the lost Jew, because we do need to pray for the nation of Israel, but what about for your lost neighbor? 
Where's your burden for your lost family member? Where's your burden for your lost co-worker? You see, we've got to make this thing personal, folks. We've got to understand that there are people that I am responsible for. And when I talk about your friend that's lost, I don't have to mention a name because their face popped into your head at that exact moment. That's where your burden is tonight. That burden is what God has placed in your heart, and you must be willing to move heaven and earth to get to them as soon as possible and tell them about Jesus. I hope you have a burden. I'm going to tell a story real quick. I'm not a big storytelling guy, but I'll tell this one. Back in 1997, in February of 1997, Sister Cindy and I were just dating at the time. And we had gone up to Mountain View, Arkansas, and we were just visiting with our family and friends up there. Family friends up there. And that night I went to bed and I just prayed, Lord, lead me to somebody tomorrow that I can tell about you. I thought to myself, you know what? I don't live here. And if I make a fool of myself on the square telling somebody about Jesus, that's okay. (laughs) I'll never see them again. So we got up that morning. We're eating our Fruity Pebbles or whatever we were eating that morning for breakfast. And Sister Cindy didn't like her Fruity Pebbles, apparently. She was just not happy. Kind of grumbling and in in the downy dumps. I don't know what was going on with her. Maybe we'll get outside and get some, you know, unbreathed air. We'll get out in in, in the fresh air and see some things. We wandered around and made our day, and she just wasn't having it. Finally, some of y'all have been up there that open amphitheater there in Mountain View, and you may have sat in that place and in the seclusion and the quiet. I looked at her and I asked her, what is wrong with you? I'm either going home with you or I'm leaving you up here in Mountain View. That's where I was at. She looked at me and she said, Jason, I, didn't know, I, I don't know if I'm saved. You know, she had made a profession. I wouldn't even think it at all. I hadn't told her about this burden. I hadn't told anybody. So I began to read to her what the book of Romans says about all have sinned. And you know what she said? And come short of She was finishing the verses as I was saying them. She'd been in church long enough. And as that story went on, finally got the nerve to say, well, look, if you've got to ask Jesus to save you, you need to ask Jesus to save you. I'll pray and then you pray. So I prayed and I just held her hand. And as she prayed, she squeezed my hand, and I looked up, and she said, I know, I just got saved. I don't tell you that to lift up this simple prayer of mine, but I'm telling you what, when you get a burden and on fire to share the love of Jesus with somebody, God will open the door for you to tell them about Jesus. Maybe you need to start tonight in this altar. You know the face, you know the name. Put them before the Lord and ask Him for an opportunity. As we stand quietly and reverently together, thank you for your time. Brother Josh, I turn the service over to you.